It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shoei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. What's going on, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. On today's show, I've got a great chat ahead with Matt Wilkes from Reds Content Plus. We're going to get into a lot of defensive talk, talking about some defensive metrics and things of that nature. Plus, I get his take on the Reds offseason and what he thinks this season will look like for our red legs real quick before we jump into that the reds did win their first spring training game of the cactus league season they beat the texas rangers nine to six moustakis and phil irvin with monster shots philip irvin of the grand slam variety and as jeff brantley called moose's moon shot he said that it left the stadium. He hit it completely out of Goodyear ballpark. Absolutely phenomenal. Just a harbinger of things to come. Oh, and Nicholas Castellanos hit a double as well. Something we will hopefully see lots and lots of this season. Real quick, before we jump into the chat with Matt Wilkes, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone for all reactions, comments, questions, whatever you've got. 513-549-0159. All right, we're going to jump right into the conversation here. Lots to get to with Matt Wilkes. 
He is Matt Wilkes. He's from Reds Content Plus. Also writes over at Red Leg Nation some as well. He does a lot of that writing stuff. Matt, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Good. I'm, I'm glad to have you on. I know you guys are getting into the second year. Is is it the second full year of Reds Content Plus? When exactly did it get started last year? Yeah, this will be our second full year. We kind of kicked off uh, really in the full swing of things about last May. So uh, coming up on the on the one-year mark. That's all right. I, I enjoy the content that you guys put out. A lot of the stuff uh, is really in-depth. Uh, if you listening out there have not checked out RedsContentPlus.com, go over there. They've got all kinds of in-depth articles talking about all the numbers you could ever want to know about and some you may not have known about. We're going to get into some of that here today, some of the defensive stuff, because kind of as I was talking with Matt Offair, I have a very limited understanding of it i can talk about it as much as i know the name of the statistic and then not much else so let's dive in i want to know for your perspective when you look at a player's defensive metrics and statistics and i know that they're kind of flawed and stuff like that but what's the first thing that you look at when you evaluate a player's defense yeah at, at this point the first thing i'm looking at is the stat cast outs above average um you know it, it's kind of newer so i'm sure there's still uh kinks being worked out behind the scenes um but it's it's been a lot more i think accurate than some of the other defensive metrics we've seen kind of become popular over the last uh you know number of years um and, and outs above average it just takes um you know all the batted ball data that stat cast tracks exit velocity launch angle um and it takes the fielder's position and it kind of calculates okay how far did this fielder have to go to get the ball and how long did they have to get there based on that it'll come up with catch probabilities um and it'll you know rate each individual fielder based on um you know how often they get to balls compared to the average fielder um and and in in my estimation at least it's been um a lot more accurate um to the eye test um which can can sometimes be uh you know, a, a faulty way to evaluate defense. Um, right. But, you know, compared to, you know, our, our ultimate zone ratings, UZR, um, defensive run save, DRS that you see quite often, um, it's a lot, uh, a lot more reliable in my eyes. You'll see those other two stats, um, you know, completely disagree with each other sometimes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, those two are actually uh, have quite a bit of human calculation involved in them too, which, you know, opens us up to some, some errors it, they don't account for um you know defensive positioning so uh, outs above average is really where i start now um and, and you can get a good idea um just by watching a player from the eye test um how they stand but you know sometimes that can be deceiving so um yeah that's the one thing when it comes to fielding numbers and things like that because i mean as far as i've grown up as a baseball fan really the only way anyone ever uh, described a fielder statistic to me is either fielding percentage or errors and both are based on errors and errors is based on literally the mostly subjective ruling of the official score and it's kind of funny that you, you've got a guy sitting up in the press box who determines all of this stuff and I mean I know you, you get those weird games where a pitcher will give up a hit and then you look at it and you're like, well, maybe that was an error or then vice versa. They'll give up a hit and you're like, well, that's a hit. And then all of a sudden the official score is like, ah, that's an error. And you're like, uh, okay. So 
it, it's good that there are now these metrics and different things like that that really describe a player. And I know it's it kind of sounds, you know, pocket protectory to say describes him with numbers, but it's a nicer way to talk about it. Baseball is so fun in that regard because you can describe guys with so many different statistics. And fielding was one that really lagged behind, but now it's maybe at least starting to catch up a little bit to hitting and pitching. When it comes to the Reds, and I know that with the outs above average coming out this past offseason, people said that Freddie Galvis and Jose Iglesias are exactly the same as far as outs above average, which probably will ruffle the feathers of some folks listening today. When it comes to the Reds, how much. Did outs above average make you feel okay? Not how much. How did outs above average make you feel about the overall Reds defense? Um, kind of, kind of mixed. Uh, the infield I think is probably going to be just fine. Like you said, Freddie Galvis um, rates a lot, uh, a lot more highly than the people thought he would. Um, he had the same number of outs above average last year as uh, Jose Iglesias did, so that should kind of ease some concerns about losing Iglesias and his glove. Um, and then the rest of the infield, I think they probably won't blow you away, but they're not going to kill you either. Um, you know, Eugenio Suarez and Joey Votto are still roughly average. Um, and Moustakis is going to be the wild card there. Um, he's been kind of roughly average at third base for most of his career. Um, and he did play a little bit of second base last year in Milwaukee and uh, rated just a little bit above average there. Of course, it comes with a a small sample uh, caveat there, but um, I think the infield is going to be okay. Um, of course, behind the plate, we have Tucker Barnhart and Kurt Casale. They're both pretty good pitch framers. They both rate above average there. Um, neither of them are great at throwing out runners, but um, as far as calling a game and, and stealing, you know, some of those strikes here and there on the edge of the strike zone, they're both good at that. Um, where things get a little tricky is when we get out to the outfield. Um, you know, anybody who's watched, Jesse Winker the last couple of years knows that defense really isn't quite his strength. Um, he'll make the routine plays, but he just doesn't quite have the range, you know, to chase down those balls in the gap all the time, which uh, makes you wonder why he was playing center field oh last my year. Gosh. I cringe every time I hear someone say, well, he can play center field. It's like, no, no, no. They just slotted him there. That doesn't mean he can play there. Yeah, he, he has <laughs> played there. That is true. I don't know how <laughs> it, it went. But uh, but then in the other corner, we have now another pretty weak fielder in Nick Castellanos. Um, Winker and Castellanos have ranked among the worst uh, defensive outfielders in baseball. And pretty much since they've uh, they've been in the big league. So that presents <laughs> a problem when they're on the field at the same time. Um, and you have to imagine they will be on the field at the same time quite a bit, especially against right handed pitching. So. It really comes down to the center fielder to cover a lot of ground. Um, and with with Nixon Zell, we know he can cover ground. Um, he's right. one of the fastest players in the big leagues, um, but he's still new to the position. Um, you know, he's still got to work on his jumps and his routes. So there's room to grow there. And, and hopefully he can kind of use that speed to negate some of the issues that we might see with Winker and, and Castellanos being on the field at the same time. Um, we'll see. And then, of course, we have uh, Shogo Akiyama, who's also going to be playing some center field. And we've got really mixed reviews on um, you know, his current ability there. We know 
in the past, he's won, um, you know, the equivalent of the uh, uh, gold glove in Japan, uh, I think six times, I want to say off the top yep. of my head. Yeah, f- six total and five in a row right before he came over to uh, Major League Baseball. Okay, right. Um, and then some, some scouting reports have been kind of mixed. Some have said they, they think he'll be able to handle center field just fine in the big leagues. Um, you know, others have said he's, he's lost a couple steps. He's 32. Um, you know, that's going to happen uh, at around that age. Um, but they've said he's lost a couple steps and, and, and maybe slightly below average. Um, so then you put that with, uh, with Winker and Castellanos. If, uh, you know, Shogo is below average, we have a pretty bad defensive outfield there. Um, he, he's really a wild card. Um, and, you know, Irvin, Philip Irvin will be a, a solid backup at all three positions. So, you know, that does give David Bell a little bit of flexibility to, you know, pull in defensive subs late in the game if necessary. Um, Irvin's not great in center, but he can at least handle the position. Uh, I would say probably better than Jesse Winker. Sorry, Jesse Winker. I love you. But, um, yeah, that's kind of where we stand. And then, uh, you know, Aquino, Aristides Aquino um, is probably – probably going to stick to right field i would imagine um it's gonna be hard for him to really crack the lineup but he he did rate a little bit above average last year so but the the starting four um with with castellanos winker akiyama and and senzel is a bit of a mystery right now it could be could be a little ugly at times i i want to unpack a couple other things that you were talking about but first kind of look at like a macro view a, a big picture sort of thing when it comes to defense i know in years past whenever the shift was not so prevalent it was really important to have pretty much five six maybe even seven guys that were super rangy and able to cover a lot of ground i mean of course that is looking back on some old reds teams in which adam dunn patrolled left field but overall, what does it mean to have a below average to even bad defense? Or will they let through a lot of runs in today's baseball? Yeah, and that that's a good question because, you know, the shift can kind of alleviate some of that, um, some of that problem, especially uh, in, the, in the outfield where the Reds figure to have a weaker um, defensive crew. You know, they can they can shift. Um, the center fielder over to, you know, wherever that particular batter tends to hit the ball. Um, and that can kind of uh, take away how much ground that one of the corner outfields has to cover. So that, that can help out a lot as to how much it helps. Um, that's kind of up for debate. Um, you know, we're still kind of debating how much these defensive metrics uh, really mean in the grand scheme of things, um, how much they contribute to a player's value. Um, so it, it kind of remains to be seen, but, you know, there is with the shift, um, there is a way for the Reds to kind of uh, deal with, you know, the the lack of range from from Winker and and Castellanos. I know early on in the season, I didn't see it so much toward the second half, but David Bell had employed a shift where he got four guys in the outfield, and usually it was whoever was playing second base. I know Dietrich was the man a lot that was doing this. He would shift the second baseman basically to left field and then shift everybody over to the right a little bit. Was there anything that showed that that was more successful than doing anything, and is that why he kind of got rid of it, or do you think that we see that more this year? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, We did kind of see it a lot at the beginning of the season. It tailed off. I don't know if it was any – more or less successful um 
you know, and then they kind of moved away from it. Um, I know for the most part, teams kind of tend to do that when you have an extreme fly ball hitter. Um, so, you know, when you have, I know it's, it's really big against uh, Joey Gallo with the Rangers. So a guy like him who hits a ton of fly balls, like, you know, over half their batted balls or fly balls is, is probably when you're going to see more of those four man outfields. Um, I don't know if we, if we've seen them enough to definitively say, Oh, they work, work really well or oh, team should stop doing it. It just hasn't, hasn't really become uh, mainstream enough to really evaluate yet. Um, but it's definitely, you know, another uh, tool that David Bell could pull out if he is, you know, facing an extreme, you know, pull hitter or fly ball hitter or whatever it may be. We'll continue with the defensive talk and then also take a look at some expectations for the Reds here in 2020. But before we jump into all of that, I wanted to let you know that now that Cactus League spring training action has begun, maybe you're thinking about going out to Arizona. You know what the best way to do that is? Go to visitarizona.com slash spring training. It's one-stop shop. You get your hotel, your tickets, your flight, everything that you need. You even get itineraries there on the website for different excursions that you can take whenever you get to Arizona. And the best thing about Cactus League spring training, if you ask any beat reporter or anyone that follows along with the Cactus League action, is that everyone, all 15 teams, are within a 15-mile radius of Phoenix. So you can stay in Phoenix, you can get a load of the bar scene, the restaurants, all that good stuff that's there in Phoenix, all the local breweries that they've got. Great nightlife, great atmosphere in and around the city, and You're close to everything. So you can see the Reds, you can see the Angels, you can see the Dodgers, you can see everybody, and you don't have to drive very far. The best way to get out there, though, is through visitarizona.com slash spring training. It's the home base for baseball fans for a reason. Go there and book your trip out to Cactus League spring training action today. That's visitarizona.com slash Spring training. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying around can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Definitely want to jump into some infield talk for a second here, but real quick, I, w- I was just thinking of this. Do, is there some sort of uh, example? And I'm trying to think of the way to frame, frame this question, but is there some some example as to a player who really improved their ability to get a good jump on the ball? Because I know that's been a big topic this offseason, talking about Nick Senzel, because as far as speed is concerned, when it came to clocking his sprint speed and all that stuff, he profiled exactly the same as Billy Hamilton did. Now, last year, obviously, I'm not talking about Billy Hamilton four or five years ago, but last year's Billy Hamilton and last year's Nick Senzel pretty much had the exact same sprint speed. So, is, is there some sort of example that says that Nixon Zell can significantly increase his jump? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, jump is kind of a fairly new stat. I don't believe StatCast even released it until some point last year. Um, okay. 
So we, we're still kind of, you know, looking into things like that and seeing how much a player can reasonably improve. Uh, I can say Sinzel is kind of an example in himself. Um, and just that I recall when this stat first got released, you know, I was looking into it, how it works, everything, you know, where Red's uh, ranked in it. Um, and I believe Sinzel was a bit below average to start out. I want to say, I don't know, half a foot of, of jump below average. Um, and that don't quote me on that number. It may be, may be wrong, but he was a little bit below average. Um, and, you know, he ended up being, um, uh, looks like uh, 0.1 feet above average. So he kind of moved in the right direction as the, as the season went on. Um, and, you know, there's not going to be tremendous differences between a lot of fielders. You know, you have Kevin Kiermeyer at the top, who's way above everyone else, but um, the differences between everyone else are pretty minimal, but you know, that can be the difference in, in catching up to a ball or the ball, you know, missing your glove by a couple of inches. So, um, you know, it's very important. And for, for reference, I did pull it up here. Um, Billy Hamilton was 0.3 feet above average um, in terms of his jump. Uh, Nixon's uh, was 0.1. So they're really not that far off. Um, and, and I think just in general, we've seen a lot of players, you know, get better at new positions, you know, the longer they're there, it, you know, it makes, makes logical sense. And a lot of the times the stats back that up too. Um, and I will say for Nick Castellanos, he did improve um, his jump a little bit last year. It was his second full year at the position. So I guess that, that would be um, a decent example, even if he still did rate below average, there was at least some improvement. Well, that's always good. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. That's the way I always say. Um, but when when I look at this infield, basically defensively, it all hinges on Mustakis at second base. Tell me why that's going to work. You know, Mustakis has been an infielder his whole career. Um, you know, ball's going to come off uh, the bat at a different angle, but you know. As far as making the routine plays, I don't think Mustakas is going to have any issue. Um, you know, what remains to be seen is how good is range. Um, you know, you, you need a little bit more range in the in the middle infield than you do at third base. Right. Um, you know, the metrics are kind of have him average right now. Um, but again, that's at third base. Uh, a little bit above average in the limited time he's been at second base. Um, so, you know, there there is some optimism there. Of course, we need to see a little bit more before we can say, you know, he's going to be just fine there. Um, but I would say just given the fact that he has been in the infield his whole career, I, I think it's going to be okay, especially with the Reds employing infield shifts uh, a whole heck of a lot more than they used to. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but they, they dramatically increased their number of infield shifts um, last year. And, and that can kind of help take, take the pressure off in the stock is too. Same thing with the out as it was with the outfield, just a little bit less ground to cover, um, you know, with with three people on on one side of second base than when there's only two. So that can kind of help take off the pressure if if he does struggle a little bit. Um, but I, I really think he'll probably be OK. I don't think he's going to he's not going to be Brandon Phillips out there, right. um, but I don't think he's going to kill you either. Kind of read my mind there because I was thinking I'm like, well, you know, it's it's unfair it's unfair to most second basemen to compare them defensively to Brandon Phillips, but at the same time, is he going to be better than Derek Dietrich or Scooter Jeanette? I would imagine so. Okay. Um, 
all, <laughs> all of the past metrics you know that we have on Mustakas have him quite a bit better than both of both of those uh, those two players. Um, I don't think he's going to be dramatically better, but they were you know kind of kind of among the worst second basemen. Uh, <laughs> so I don't right. think he'll be that. That was, that was always one thing, and it was funny because people would almost get into passionate arguments on the wonderful Twitter.com about that sort of thing, talking about how, well, it doesn't matter that his defense is bad. He's good at the plate, and everyone loves him. And it's just like people forget that, you know, people, whenever they worry about Moustakas at second base, they worry that – or they forget that for the last, like, three years, defensively at second base, we've just kind of punted. So I think that this year – He's going to be a little bit better. Jumping from defense to really just the rest of everything, overall, with the way that the Reds have been, obviously it's amazing to see the Reds go out and spend $166 million. And every time I say that, I just get, I just get really excited for opening day. But $166 million overall on guys, what is your overall feeling on them? Are you closer i i saw someone the other day well it was jim day on jim day's podcast with joey Votto. he was talking about he's like i could see him winning 95 games and then there was bleacher report that came out and said they're going to win 82 games uh, which which side are you closer to man that's i've gone kind of back and forth um on that all off season i do think um unless a lot of stuff goes wrong i think they're going to have a winning season right. um and, you know, the NL Central, I won't say it's wide open, but, you know, it's certainly there for the taking for the Reds. I do think people are probably sleeping on the Cubs a little more than they should, even though they did absolutely nothing to improve their team. They're still a good team. and Kind of everything went wrong for them last year. The Brewers, I think, will be worse. The Cardinals are, even when you think they're bad, they're going to be bad. They never are for some reason. It's the, the devil magic or whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yes, um, absolutely. So it's definitely there for the taking. I, I guess I would, I would probably split the difference right now, say 88, 89 wins. Um, I think the, the competition's going to be there um, within the division, um, and, and that could could kind of make it go either way. So I'll split the difference and say 88 wins right now. They're certainly going to be better. They're going to be a lot better offensively. Um, you know, even if the pitching staff takes a small step back, and I don't any reason they really should um they're still going to be one of the best pitching staffs in in the nl so they they have the pieces to to make a run um how deep of a run and how many wins that's actually going to equate to um i i I don't know i keep going back and forth on it but we'll we'll split the difference at 88 i i will take that all day every day 88 wins sounds amazing especially i i think People discount the fact that, well, you know, we, we haven't had more than, I mean, heck, 75 wins felt awesome last year. And the, the last six years have just been such doldrums as far as being a Reds fan is concerned because they just haven't won. And, and now that they've made all these offseason moves, I, I feel like there's some fans that if you even start your uh, win total guess with, you know, 80, they're just like, oh, that's disappointing. It's like, no, dude, that's. I mean, 88 wins is a 13-game improvement over last season and absolutely puts them in the conversation for this division. I, I'm with you. I think I think people are sleeping on the Cubs. Like, talented-wise, they've still got a, an amazing lineup and a pretty darn good pitching staff. I wouldn't say that 
I'm as scared of them as I used to be. I mean, John Lester's getting up there. You Darvish, I don't know what he is. One moment he is Cy Young, Nolan Ryan, and then the next moment he is Asher Wojciechowski, and you know, I don't, I don't know what to make of him. Uh, but, but and then the bullpen is interesting, and the Cardinals, like you said, I mean, as much as we talk about. Derek Johnson being a wizard, the the Cardinals have some sort of dark magic that keeps them relevant or something. I, I don't know if they sold their souls to the devil or what, but uh, <laughs> I just think that as soon as we count them out, they're in. So it's it's not a situation where I think the Reds are markedly worse than any of those teams. In fact, I think they're almost on the same level. It's going to be one of those interesting seasons that just a strong run by one of those three teams really decides the entire season. And my money's on the Reds for making that run. When it comes to the guys that they brought in, who who intrigues you the most? Who was your favorite acquisition that the Reds made? That's got to be Nick Castellanos for me. Uh, yeah. I, I'm really, really interested to see what he's going to do in a, in a smaller ballpark. We kind of saw a glimpse of it when he got out of Comerica last year and, and he got traded to the, from the Tigers to the Cubs. Um, but, you know, Comerica is a huge ballpark and it kind of suppresses a lot of power numbers for hitters. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, we all know Castellanos, um, you know, consistently hits the ball hard. Um, he's been kind of more of a line drive hitter, doubles hitter in his career. Um, but once he kind of got out of Comerica last year, we saw the home runs start to spike. Um, and now he's going to an even, a uh, more hitter-friendly ballpark in, in Great American. So I'm very, very interested to see if some of those doubles start turning into home runs. Um, I don't think it's totally out of the question to say he's a, a 30 home run threat in Great American. Um, and and hopefully, I go back and forth. You know, should 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 we root for Nick Castellanos to just have a monster season and then him leaving free agency, or do we want him to stick around? I, I would guess. I guess you would go for the monster season. So. Let's let's go 40 home runs from Castellanos this year. I I really think that if he's in a position to opt out of his contract after this season, then we have had a nice deep run in the playoffs because he was awesome. And I think that if he is awesome, there's a lot of guys on this team that are going to feed off of that. I mean, I think that Gino's going to have good another good year. I don't I don't. I stopped short of predicting that he'll hit 50 homers, although I'd love to see it. But at the same token, I think he still is an overall good hitter. I mean, he led the league in strikeouts last year, and he still had a very, very nice batting average. And I think that he can cut back on that and be an overall better hitter. Overall, I just I, I love Castellanos signing, and I'm okay with the defensive aspect. I think they they can work around that as much as you can in the outfield. And I think overall... It's, it's, I'm so excited. I, I cannot wait for this season to get started. we got spring training going on right now, and uh, I think the first televised game is actually today because this is our Tuesday podcast, and I think it's on TV. Am I right on that? I believe so. I think I saw something about that. But, yeah, anyway, baseball is here. Uh, real quick, Matt, with, with the season coming up, I know that Reds Content Plus has added some writers and things like that. What do you guys got coming up for this year? Yeah, so right now, um, you know, we're we're starting to really ramp up as as we look toward the season. Um, kind of kind of looking back on last year and and what to expect um, coming up in twenty twenty. 
um, you know, Steve and I, uh, you know, the, the other co-founder of the site are going to be heading out to spring training next month. So we'll be providing you some coverage from out there, hopefully uh, get to talk to um, a few uh, members of the front office and, and give some insights there. Um, and yeah, we'll really start ramping up once we get closer to the season. Um, and instead of seeing articles from us, maybe uh, three to five times a week, you'll start getting them every day. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be coming at you with recaps and, you know, our, our normal analysis. And uh, yeah, we're really excited to have all the all the new writers on board. So come check them out. Tell us, tell us what you think in the comments. We'll uh, always be there to chat. So He is Matt Wilkes from RedsContentPlus.com. Go check them out. Like I said, lots of really in-depth content there, lots of numbers and really well-thought-out articles there. Matt, I thank you so much for being on the podcast, and we'll do it again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's going to do it for us here on a Tuesday on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Like I mentioned, the Reds will be on TV today. It'll be broadcast on Fox Sports Ohio. It'll actually be the broadcast team for uh, the Angels. It's presented by Fox Sports uh, Angels. But we'll have televised baseball to watch here just shortly after 3 p.m. on Tuesday. If you're listening to this after 3 p.m. on Tuesday, then we'll have a recap on Wednesday's podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure that you are subscribed on all the many podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Locked On Reds. And if you've got any kind of reactions, questions, comments, whatever you've got, send them my way at the Locked On Reds line 513-549-0159. Also via Twitter and all that good stuff too on tomorrow's episode along with a recap of the televised game. Also want to get into the question that I mentioned from Chris Brennan at Buckeye Brennan on Twitter talking about this year's possible Josh Van Meter, which will be an interesting topic. Some I'm going to have to do some digging on because Josh Van Meter wasn't even in spring training camp last season, at least not major league spring training camp. So that'll be a fun topic to look forward to tomorrow. But for the Locked On Reds podcast, my name is Jeff Carr, and I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.